episode 66, Become Disciplined with Congruent Action. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, and today we're Dr. Janice Hughes' perspective. Join 2017 Podcast Awards-nominated host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, as he gets a rarely seen look into the specialties of all types of doctors and guests, plus marketing, travel tips, struggles, goals, and relationship advice. Let's hear a doctor's perspective. Good day today. Welcome back. My in-laws were in town in March, so we got to take a vacation together. We went to a place called Guilin, and it has all these like granite limestone rocks. Um, they make these big domes along the side of the rivers, and it's on the back of the 20 RMB note. It was beautiful. Check Instagram and Facebook for all those uh, photos. Obviously, on Instagram, it's a slow drip, but just great. Good food. Our tour, uh, our tour guide was amazing. You know, he drove us around and everything. It's just, it was just so nice. It was, it was calm. It was cool. The temperature was great. Another one of those places I was always wanted to go. So it's now it's off my bucket list and I uh, couldn't be happier to spend that time with them. It was a good time. If you like the show, wherever you listen to it, Go ahead and do a review for me. I just realized we don't have very many reviews. It's not that we don't have listeners. I guess people just don't review. So if you can, go ahead and do that. I know they say it helps with audience finding us and all that. Some people say that. Some people say that's not true. But, you know, if you can, that'd be appreciative. Okay. Today is Dr. Janice Hughes. She, I enjoyed this interview. I enjoy a lot of interviews, but I mean, I just enjoyed this one. She's going to give you some pointers on how to pause for a moment. Before making purchases, whether that's big purchases, small purchases, and that might be relative to how much money you make and your, what you're comfortable spending on. And then, of course, like a mindset about being, you know, what did you learn as a kid? What did you learn in school? What did you learn in practice uh, about, about money? You know, maybe you're frugal and you don't need to be. Maybe you're just cheap. Maybe you overspend and you're always in debt. And what do you can do about that? She also talks about how um, important family time is. And if you don't set up your work hours and your work life to accommodate for like your kids going to sports or ballet or whatever, then it's probably going to get lost in the shuffle. It, just, it was just good. You know, she's had some startup with, with a biotech company. She's raised millions of dollars for that company out in uh, Colorado. So I think you're going to enjoy this episode. All the show notes are to doctorsperspective.net slash 66. Let's go. Hashtag behind the curtain. Live from China. Woo. Y'all, we all have this issue, and I know we can always get better at it. So I am so happy to introduce, all the way from Boulder, Colorado, she's coached thousands of health professionals with a big focus in the last couple of years on having a proper money mindset. Welcome to the show, Dr. Janice Hughes. Terrific. Thanks for having me. Hey, it is a pleasure. I don't know if you knew this, but I practiced down on 104th Avenue in Westminster, Colorado for many years. I know. I'm laughing when that we didn't even talk about that back and forth by email or anything, but about uh, you having been here and then relocating. And then I'm Canadian and relocated to Colorado. So it's it's funny how many times our paths all cross, right? It really is. Oh, Canada. So are you a citizen now? I am. Um, I, my husband um, was born in the U.S., lived in Canada all his life. But then as we came back and as I started doing more speaking and teaching in the profession, um, that's when I did sort of the relocation to the U.S. So we chose a place that we'd love to live. And my husband's a chiropractor. So we're okay. still very connected to practice, even though that's not me. I'm not in the practice. I'm also not his coach. But um, it still keeps me really connected to that hands-on practice aspect. You keep that pulse 
quite well when your husband's probably coming home and talking about it. Absolutely. And, hey, here's all the, here's what everybody said this weekend at the seminar and everything. Well, and it was fun for me. I was really instrumental in the office setup and design. Um, we did things like trying to figure out, you know, a nice model for a sole practitioner. You know, we both up in Canada, we had separate practices. We actually mm. never practiced together. Um, and we both had fairly large wellness-based um, practices. Um, and and really coming down here, it was a great time for him to rebrand, reconnect with almost like a really interesting niche. So he does a lot of um, high performance work. He's one of the chiropractors for the BMC pro cycling team. Actually, one of the races is in China, you know, and just oh. so, so he's really um, in that niche. But that's also because he'd already been um, 22, 23 years in practice by the time we moved down here. Okay. So, you know, that's where he could really establish that more niche here. So it, it's been really fun for me in the early part, helping him with the design, the marketing, the branding, you know, things that I'd already always coached other people and mm. obviously did my myself in my own practice. But it was really fun to do that recreation when we came down here. Yeah, especially if you can start from scratch and you already have the experience where you're not like, you're not a rookie trying to figure it out. You're just like, look, we just got to get this going, build it out exactly how I want. Yeah. And we can do anything we want now. Because let's face it, that's very different for so many practitioners as you start. You know, let's face it. I, I always say that within a couple of years, you're a very different practitioner and person than you were when you set it up. Mm -hmm. And then there's some other pivot points, like at five years and 10 years. And so often from the coaching world that I came from, you know, I would hear people talk about, well, if I could do it all over again, or now that this is so entrenched, I can't change it. And so that's mm -hmm. what was really wonderful and fun. I kept saying to him, you know, if there were no rules and you couldn't fail, what would you love this to look like? That's a hard question. It's a really hard question, Justin. And that's actually one of the, the key coaching questions is just that. You know, if you can start to identify at any point in your career or especially any young practitioners that listen, you know, if you can even identify parts of that, then a second question is, well, then who do I need to be or become to be able to create that? And you notice how very quickly that will help create, I'll call it a coaching or a growth plan for yourself, for your skills. And so it's it's a really powerful way. And, and that was a big part of my husband's rebrand, you know, is what, what did he absolutely love? Not necessarily that he wanted to say, oh, I'm not going to work with families. I mean, he still has families come in. He still sees, you know, some kids in practice, but it was really what do I love and how do I design things completely around that? Yeah. Whew. That is a hard one because if a lot of times you don't even know exactly what you want. You've, you've, you had what you've had. Maybe you've worked in other clinics when you're talking about build out. But then you're like, well, ideally, what would I want? And then if you end up joining some management company, they may change the way you think. Or like you might get into certain kind of peer groups and then now you're trying to change your clinic again and you're not even ever, you're never really sure what you want because it keeps changing. So yeah. that's a, some really good questions and some soul seeking that needs to take place. Yeah. And that's, I've been really fortunate in my own life um, for uh, early phases of my career. I had hired 
fabulous management companies or a few different chiropractic coaches. And then Mm. I was really fortunate in hiring a coach that was really more what you would just call sort of a success coach. Some people might call this personal development, but it was really about success and it was about business and my life. And part of that is that I was really fortunate. I had created the kind of practice, you know, people would come and see my practice and they'd all say, well, I want this. You know, um, and it had been the practice of my dreams to a certain point. But then it's like I was waking up every day sort of going, is this it? Or I was kind of moving into, you know, what would fulfill me more? Or how come I wasn't as fulfilled as I thought I'd be? And oof. so that's when I hired a coach and learned that really important distinction, the difference between coaching versus consulting. And see, that's what even you mentioned a lot of times a consultant or a more consulting based company will say, here's the hours. This is what you do. Here's the paperwork. And please know there's a great role for that. That is a fabulous role. It's just that then there's people like myself or others that sort of go, well, what would I love next or what? could I begin to explore? And that's where that real distinction with that sort of quality of coaching comes in. So, you know, I've been fortunate to play both roles because I've, you know, been really involved in the past with some management companies in the profession. And then my love of coaching, you know, I trained as a personal and professional coach and Mm. then have not only done that within chiropractic, but then actually, some other projects presented and I went off and did some other things in the biotech or business world. So, you know, it's really, I've been, I've been really fortunate, uh, you know, honestly to have great coaches and, and mentors and role models in my own life, you know, and so that's actually interestingly why as a couple of projects came to a close for me at the end of 2016, obviously my love of chiropractic And then chiropractors and success for chiropractors is what started to bring me more back into some coaching and speaking and and work within the profession again. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. If you you got you get out of the just being chiropractic, you start looking at other businesses and you know biotech or whatever, and it's going to open your mind to different philosophies, different way businesses are run. You're going to get a handle on a lot of different things because I've heard some people say, hey, look, if you've been in practice for a while, maybe it's time to get a some kind of consultant or a coach who's not in your profession to brighten brighten your vision, see what can actually occur, and maybe you help better set up systems so that you can exit one day or have multiple clinics or just how you can get more profit in a different way that you normally wouldn't get from just another chiropractor who's brick and mortar only. So if you would like... What maybe have you learned from that marine arena into the money mindset that you've um, kind of rebranded yourself as now? Yeah, I, I love talking about this because this has become my sort of big why, you know, why I'm so passionate about being back working with chiropractors. Myself, my own path or experience is part of that and my own learning along the way. But what I, I really have recognized is that You know, if you stop and think about it, success principles are success principles are success principles. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter whether you're selling widgets or a service. The distinction is the service, you know, you often then have to 
have some specific language or nomenclature around it or the way we work with a patient, you know, so, so those are the differences and, and why I think a lot of people, like I love Michael Gerber's work, you know, the, the original e-myth, but then a lot of chiropractors found, well, you know, it's, it's just a little more difficult to e-myth my practice than a traditional business. So there are some, you know, there are some real nuances of it, but then, me going outside and then kind of seeing that um, some of those things aren't really that difficult, except that we have a challenge often with our mindset. And it's sort of we've touched on that often the way we've set our business up or the way we set our practice up is based on our thinking and our belief systems about success and what's really impacting that often is our belief systems about money. Okay. And so having been out of the profession, and I had this huge network of chiropractors. So as I was involved with raising money for a startup biotech, I thought, you know, with all my great connections, I can just talk to some chiropractors. And two things really like quickly and glaringly came to my awareness is number one, most chiropractors couldn't afford to invest in another kind of business or take an opportunity because they just bluntly couldn't afford it. Right. The other part was that it was the consciousness. It was not understanding some business principles or how to look at maybe another business or another opportunity and then build that. So that mm. really... Both of those things really showed me, I'll call it like this void. And, and I think that it's really important for me to describe there's also three different phases that you want to take a look at those voids. You know, okay. number one is in the startup mode. Startup is different. It's, it's a different mentality. Um, that's really where our money mindset impacts us. And sometimes it's almost like it's made so complicated or we've got all these fears. So that's a real mindset stage that that really needs to be looked at. And and that is so pertinent with this money mindset, you know, and a lot of times we come out of professional schools so debt loaded, you know, and and what are we thinking about and how do we learn to shift some of our patterns about money or take a look at the belief systems about money, because that can determine your success more than your skill as, a, as an adjuster. Yeah. And so then what happens is there's sort of a next pivot point is more as you get through that startup mode and are doing well, you know, so things are going well, um, there's still going to be challenges like cash flow challenges, you know, with when income comes in and when things need to go out. But already that's a different place. You know, hopefully you can get some money mindset work at that point that takes you out of that startup survival mode and more mm -hmm. into some thriving. And usually you need to take a, another look at your at your money mindset. And then the third pivot point it, for practitioners, all styles of practitioners, is then when you're doing incredibly well. And, and I can be the example for that. You know, as I did incredibly well in 
practice, in business, and had a certain success mindset around it. Then as other opportunities presented, or as I even started becoming a money raiser for a biotech, I again realized that I was just at another pivot point. I I was still stuck in, you know, what it required to think about care plans of, say, $3,000 or $5,000. And suddenly in the biotech startup, you know, I was in a position to start to ask people for, you know, $50,000, $100,000. Eventually our minimum investment became a million dollars. And that's a whole different mindset. And so what I what I really learned along the way, the original question you asked is that it's critical for us to take a look at these things at multiple stages of our life and career. Yeah. Otherwise we get stuck instead of it being a pivot point, it's like we're stuck in in one mindset. So that's where, you know, what really began to to come to me was to birth or coach or mentor a lot of practitioners on this idea about there are some simple tools or steps and and strategies that I had to use myself and and the great news is, is I had unbelievable coaches helping me. You know, I hired coaches. I've always hired other people to really help me learn something more quickly. Right. But based on all that, what, what I continued to see was a real void. You know, there's a lot of blogs. There's a lot of writing about law of attraction or a little bit around that money consciousness but then you jump up to if you're really going to hire a personal coach to work on those kinds of things, you know, you're going to be spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars to do that. Right. And so for me, I'd already done all of that. And so I've been really saying now, how do I just help mentor and coach and seed some of these ideas or find some tools I'm learning. You know, I, I love the podcast world. You know, none of that existed years <laughs> ago for me in practice, you yeah. know, or I've really been converting some really simple, what I call principles and tools into some online courses. And, and the intent of that is is to package it or find a way that it can get to more people, you know, people that then there's a tool without always going to that highest level of just having a personal coach that works with you on it. Yeah. So that's kind of, that's kind of the, you know, sort of what I see as the challenges or voids. And then, like I say, the pivot points that that's so important in any doctor's life and practice. Okay. So guests, audience, You've heard the overview. Now we're going to dig in and get some practical stuff that you can actually maybe change some of your mindset. Maybe, maybe it ends up you have to get her course, but we want to go get away with some things that we can start looking at today. So when we're talking about, I understand the startup phase. And then the next phase, is that like, um, maybe you're making double your expenses or triple or quadruple the expenses of your practice. So most people would say, you know, I can get the house I want. I can take vacations I want. I'm not at a point where I have $100,000 just laying around to in invest in another company. But life is good. And if it stayed this way, I'm okay. And then the next level would be, I'm really killing it. And if I didn't have someone talk to me about other investments, like maybe your buddy is like, hey, man, you want to go in on a, on a fourplex? I don't have that kind of money. But if we go together, now we have it. And then some chiropractors would say, that's risky or... I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just going to sit on my money and, and reinvest it in 
not that. Um, is that kind of maybe something that we're talking about here, like having a money mindset to where it shifts from just brick and mortar to investments that could be uh, an even bigger return? Well, and whether it's investments or even more importantly, a really key piece is because some people are never really going to get excited or interested in those other kinds of investments. But it okay. can also be that a high percentage of those chiropractors that I know or have coached or are friends, you know, that you would, your, your languages that are killing it, um, they have no exit strategy. Yeah. So what happens in our profession or any practitioner is do not forget that your practice is your biggest asset. Because so often they're not thinking about it. Some of them have even had the idea of, well, let me invest in other things. You know, you're right. Some can't or or their mind isn't there. But a lot of it is just, well, how do I now expand what I have kind of in that middle point? You know, I'm doing well. Things are good. You know, the question is, well, what would make it great? Mm -hmm. And then that, you know, sort of killing it phase, the real question is, you know, can your practice function with or without you? Would that all still be happening? Is it sellable? You know, some people have built such a personality driven practice that how then do you create that asset? You know, you've worked hard for this asset. How do you also create that that asset could be sold? And then it's all those things you talked about. So yeah, those are just a couple of distinctions that it will be different for everyone. But the point is that there's multiple phases or stages to work on your mindset. When we're talking, there's two sides of it. I bought a clinic when I first started out that was, it was kind of overpriced, but in Colorado to build out a whole new clinic, that's an even more costly expense than just taking over somebody's books. But so if I'm the doctor, I've been working for 30 years or 10 years, whatever it is, you might always want to start your clinic with an exit strategy for that matter. But let's say you're kind of in your prime and you want to sell it to some somebody else. But chiropractic is definitely personality driven. That's what I've been noticing. Like no matter how many systems you have, there's still a certain, what are you saying to the patients? What are you talking about? How are you interacting? So when you're looking for someone to buy it, that's my question. When someone's looking to buy it, is there a way to position it as a seller so that the buyer actually has the most success. Um, because that's two different worlds. One of them yeah. is set it up, sell it. It's not my problem if he fails or she fails when in a year. Right. Versus let's actually continue this tradition so that in 50 years this clinic is still around. Is there yeah. any kind of mindsets that we can set up there? Maybe like one or two hints? Yeah, there are. Um, for myself, I could give myself as an example. One of my associates, um, my key associate was the person I groomed to purchase my my practice. And we basically went into a strategy, uh, two and a half year strategy to create that sale. So that there was a whole system in place of what that could look like, how she was groomed, how partway through that signs were even changed. While I was still there, I was focused on setting her up for success and the longevity of the patients. So there are some different kinds of systems you can use for that. And just a, an interesting note is that she has done more with that practice than I could ever have dreamed of. Oh. And so her success, you know, again, was in the way we created that transition. And I was really fortunate to have, this wasn't me, like that, I guess my point to anyone is if I could do it, anybody can do it. And, you know, so there are 
ways to set that up. Now, that's very different. That was over a two, almost two and a half year period. But even the way that if you come to realize you don't have an exit strategy, the first thing is, do I have the finances or how do I get my financial house in order to be able to sell, to not have that cash flow coming in? Or what would I do with a lump sum and those kinds of questions? But the second part of that is you have to look at the practice. You know, is it a business? Are there systems in place? Who would be the ideal kind of person to take that over? Mm -hmm. Versus like you say, just, oh, let me get this thing sold. So there is a mindset or a mentality that goes around that and making sure that, you know, almost it's, it's like with staff. So often by the time we know it's time to let someone go, it's probably already been time for six months or a year, you know, (laughs) or, or a period of time. And so the same thing, if you're already starting to consider, you know, exit, that's a perfect time to be able to look at these things and say, well, not only do I have my own house in order, meaning my own finances, but is the practice set up like a business? And could that continue at this same success level with or without me? You know, I had a colleague that he had bought a clinic. He was working with the person, then took it over and then realized like, oh my goodness, the system this guy had was like a little monthly fee and they came in all the time and he was he was bamboozled. It, it felt like when he finally saw behind the scenes, 100%, not what was presented, but was actually showing. And he's like, oh my gosh, I'm making $10 a visit or, you know, yeah. some, some sad number. And he's like, I can't, I can't pay the bills. I can't survive like this. Yeah. So the average visit, um, I, I love who we are and what we do. Right. Again, I had to learn myself. I charge too little. I made all those mistakes. So it's so fun. Please don't anybody listening think that I'm going, well, you have to do this because believe me, I made all the mistakes. And that's what I mean where then as I got clearer, as I got stronger and also coached my previous associate to be far stronger than I am and had her around amazing people, her mindset is stronger than mine was when I had set things up. So that's what I mean. Any practice can can grow. The mindset and the business strategies can really help people so that you're right, that you're not just caught up with, well, here's the numbers or the size. What is that practice billing and producing? And you know, part of it just is that students, students listening, I mean, are coming out so debt loaded. And both my husband and I, we were so debt loaded in the beginning. So yeah. right or wrong, that's why I probably didn't have, like, I'm going to save this abundant consciousness. And, and so for me, I could be so strong about my certainty around chiropractic and seeing a lot of people. But I'll show you practices that they saw less people than I did and had a better business because they had a better money mindset. Yeah. So when I talk about all of these things, Justin, it's because I am certainly not saying, oh, my, mine is like the greatest. It's, wow, I understand the pain points. I've been there. And that's where my hope is that I can turn around and help shift that. So you're right. Let's let's talk about a few tools because I also like people like feeling empowered or feeling like they can walk away going, oh, I can do that. Or here's a couple of simple tools that I can apply. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do one or two. That was going to be my follow-up question. 
What are people you noticing struggling with all the time? And then a tool to maybe help break that. Yeah, one of the biggest struggles is um, kind of that language. You hear something and you go, oh, that's a great idea. Or, oh, I can do that. Or let me do a little of this. Or let me do a little of that. And trying to apply or do so many things. And sometimes if we're not careful, like we're almost in overwhelm and or we're not getting a lot of results from all these different things that we're doing. Mm -hmm. So a little bit of it is I kind of like to think in terms of three different things. We'll call them one, two, and three. And number one is becoming disciplined. Now, we could talk about on your personal side, um, what you eat, your thinking, you know, an hour of power and all these things that really help your mind. But I even mean discipline in the way we look at a new idea or a new project or a new aspect of things. So that, let me give you an example. Um, the years that I was coaching for a great company within the profession, I worked with some really high-end doctors from around the world. And at seminar, there's always more amazing things. You know, it's like, yeah. if I did that, I could purchase this. And But what I found is most people never had the discipline to put a system in place to really use what they were purchasing. So I teased this one doctor that I coached when they came at the very beginning of the seminar, I teased he and his wife and I said, he's going to give me his credit card for the weekend. And when he has the urge to purchase another nice thing or shiny bauble or a program to put into the clinic, it's not my job to say yes or no, but he has to come to me before I hand him back his credit card to purchase that to show me the top three to five steps that he's going to take to actually implement that. Yeah. And that's what I mean is the discipline to, you know, take what you've purchased or take what you're doing and really give it more legs, like, like put it in place, really implement it. Don't not take it out of the box or don't try it a little bit, but not really commit to it. So number one is, is discipline and finding some ways to hold yourself accountable, whether that's with a coach, an accountability partner, just yourself. If your personality is pretty darn disciplined, like with your fitness, you know, then how do you leverage and use some of those same skills to be disciplined with applying something new in your business? Well, because a lot of people, they don't even, they don't realize like most people don't even know who you are. And then you're going to buy this fancy thing that you think is going to either revitalize the clinic yep. or all the new patients are somehow going to magically find out that you have this and that they'll actually want it when all they can see is, no, that sounds like 60 bucks a visit extra for a service that I'm not really sure about. So yep. now i got to do a sales pitch and you're not going to market it. If you're not going to market it and you're not going to make it more of a, um, like you said, like a, like a strategy, it's yeah. just going to sit there and either collect dust or really not make the, the potential that you could have had. Yes. And then you're stuck, you're hosed. Kind of like so, when spinal decompression was such a big thing. Yeah. Or late cold laser, all these wonderful tools. But again, so you notice why I said number one for me, for people to just take a look at, kind of assess yourself on a scale of zero to 10, you know, where am I? Or what could I already focus on that I've got and be disciplined to get it more implemented. Yeah. So then the number two thing for me is 
congruency of actions. Because a lot of people will go into action mode, especially if we're stressed. If we're stressed, whether it's finances or numbers, we'll just start throwing stuff at the wall and hope that something sticks. Yeah. And the challenge with that, again, is bring a little bit of that discipline we just talked about. But take a look with any goal, with any goal, with any strategy that you put down. So if it is that I've purchased a laser, which is an amazing tool, well, now how could I do a bunch of sub points under that goal that will help me with what I call number two, which is congruent action steps? Not a hundred action steps that are all over the place, but could I take one month and that, you know, the question I like to ask people is what is my next simplest action step? So if it's that point about it, I'm just using laser as an example. It would be like maybe my next simplest action step is just practicing the setup and the using of it. How could I every day you know, use it on one of my staff or, or begin to use it to get really confident and comfortable with it. My next simplest action step might be, well, then what would my fees be? What is my fee schedule for that? And so you notice that you can start to break down a goal of implementing laser into a bunch of these sub points, which become your congruent action steps. That's true because just because you buy a laser doesn't mean you know what you're doing with it. You have to get better at it before you go out there and do a 5K sponsorship and bring the laser and, you know, demonstrate it. You need to be competent and everything else that you just said. So that's where, you know, I always describe to people that there is no such thing as an unrealistic goal. There's only either unrealistic action steps or unrealistic timelines. That's a big one. That's what I mean is if you, so number one, we said was discipline, but this number two is congruent actions, planning your actions. What's my next simplest step? So, you know, all too often we become overwhelmed or anybody's overwhelmed of, well, now I don't even know where to start. So that's where beginning to break down those sub points. Then number three, so you were asking me for sort of some some tips or points. So number one is that discipline. Number two is congruent actions. And then from my perspective, number three is just grow yourself. If you grow as an individual, so each of our personalities is different. For some people, that's like excellence in your technique, you know, doing more technique seminars, learning, really growing with that. For some people, it's more, we would call it maybe just your success principles, you know, and the key though is grow yourself because then all else follows. And but you grow can, yourself where you know you're weak, right? Well, both. Thinking- like I know a lot of people say, oh, you'll only rise to the level of your weakness. But then you can take a look at someone like John Maxwell, who John Maxwell just got really, really clear on the top three things that he was the best at. And he hired other people to be the best at the few things that he hated doing or he wasn't good at. Mm -hmm. Now, you and I are so often, a lot of people listening to this are sole practitioners, are doctors that they don't have enough staff to, to offload everything. So then, yes, you're right. Take something that you're not necessarily good at or with and and study it. 
You know, if yeah. you, and I learned this from John Martini, who was one of my early coaches, is that if you commit half an hour today, a day to studying a new subject, within three years, you will be one of the world experts in that subject. And so you stop and think about it. Like, it is not that difficult for us to begin to learn some new skills. So I'm not even just saying, though, grow yourself related to your skills. You know, one of, one of the key things, and I know this sounds a little esoteric, that if you build a happy life, if you become more joy-filled, if you find the things you love in practice or that you're just loving doing in your life, there's a whole different energy about you. And some of the same things you tried to do last week when you weren't happy or fulfilled, all of a sudden you do those same things and now they have more impact because you're just in a better headspace. So you can see that, that each of these categories, so I've given you three categories so that anybody listening can just go, oh, there's kind of three checkpoints. You know, could I do one simple thing in each of those categories? And that's what I want you to see is that that grows people and it really shifts people's mindsets of, oh, well, I can do that. You know, and as a coach, if I can get more people, when people say to me, oh, that sounds really simple, I'll say, yeah, actually it is. Yeah. So the key is how do we get to that level where we smile or we kind of laugh and we go, yeah, well, why wasn't I doing that? Or I had to learn to laugh at myself because I put so many different things into place. And then as a new shiny bauble or something new came into my life, if I wasn't disciplined and still taking congruent actions or working on a certain thing, all of a sudden, some things that had created great success for me fell by the wayside. And so then I used to get some really tough lessons to pull me back to go, wait a minute, here's what the core is. You know, so so I, I just want you to see that that's why I've kind of given you what I think are sort of these three pieces that people can start to measure and and call tools, you know, what simple step could I take in each of those categories? Well, and here's what it's something I was thinking when you're saying that I did a technique seminar and the only way to stay certified was you had to go every year. Well, after about nine years of doing this, it's sort of they try to redo some, 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 introduce some new things, but it's really just the same thing over and over again. And I was like, I'm done. I feel like I'm, I've, I've got it. Maybe it's not 30 years like some people, but I was like, dude, I need a new challenge. And so when you go to get your mandatory con- continuing ed every year, I was like, okay, what, what am I not good at? MRIs. What am I not good at? Or what could I learn more about? PI, auto accidents, you know, the business side of it and the treatment side of it. You know, I didn't ever get like auto certified like some people, but it was, it was changing that. And then like, oh, you could spend your money to learn, like you said, something new. Like I'm in China, been there th- over three years. There are times when I get excited to study. And then whenever you go out to practice, people just look at you like, what are you saying? Yeah. Or certain people understand you and other people don't, and you don't really understand what's going on. So your, your will just drops and then you quit. And I quit for a while and then I'm like, all right, maybe I need to pick this back up. But there's no excuse for me not to be able to speak Chinese right now, but I can't. You know, there are certain things I can do, but I'm not where I should be after three years or someone who says, let me actually take a class. Yeah. Um, and it's all based on discipline and having an actionable plan. And, um, but anyway, so that, I like what you're saying. That's some good stuff there. Um, when you when you have people, you're coaching them. What is it that's stopping them from getting out of their own way? 
again, just, just ourselves, you know, our, <laughs> our blocks. But, you know, remember that a lot of those blocks are because of our deep-rooted belief systems. So if you have been coached in a great system, you know, and usually what you'll see is I can take, I, there's fabulous management companies, there's fabulous systems, but you'll notice that, say, if I take 10 people in the same system, you know, it's almost like this teeter-totter happens, you know, one or two are still struggling. You know, a lot are at different kind of levels of success all the way up to the one, you know, or two that are right up at the top of the teeter-totter, you know, doing incredibly well. And there's that's always those the, people. Yeah. But that's also with the exact same system. Mm -hmm. So what I want you to hear as people listen is it's not about the system. It is about us and what keeps us stuck you know, if we sign up, join up, implement something, and and we're still really stuck. And a lot of that is because of our belief systems, our value system, some really internal things, you know, some stuff that's on the inside. And any coach or work that isn't getting to that, you know, that sticking point is still going to be there. No matter how you say something, what you try to say, what you try to implement. So that's why it is to me really critical that, you know, people just recognize that. And it's not, oh, some people are really bright or, you know, like they're just, you know, smarter and implement something in a better, different way. You know, a lot of it is just that they've either had different belief patterns already and or they've worked to change their belief systems. So let me give you a concrete example, because that's a lot, of, a lot of talk. But what I mean by that as an example with money is we all have a money story. And usually, unless people have really done work on this, your money story is not your own. Mm -hmm. So your and my belief systems are formed, basically formulated by the time we're about six or seven years old. Which means if you stop and think about it, it's really based on our parents or key significant people in our lives when we're a kid. So I'm going to use the example that you may, and we're all different this way, just start to ask like, what, what did my mother teach me about money? What did my father teach me about money? So I'm going to give you a, an example that, you know, a lot of people as you dig into this, you know, there's the example of, well, money doesn't grow on trees. Mm -hmm. You know, and that that's a flip statement that a lot of times we'll say or a parent says because a child or a teenager is coming asking for more money. You know, I laugh after their little kids. I decided that I became a school bus driver. I have three sons. So you either become the shuttle bus driver or you become the bank. And mm -hmm. there's just a certain stage when kids are coming at you. So even as much as I had worked on myself all of a sudden, there were still a few statements that came out of me. And I went, whoa, like, that's what my mother used to say, or my dad said that about money. So one common one, like I said, is that, well, money doesn't grow on trees, you know, as kids are bombarding or asking for something. And there's always $20 to spend. Well, there's always it, it's about what you value or, or some people that don't have cash flow, it's because they're spending on something different. Yeah, but really, it's that belief system. So I started to ask myself the question, well, who taught me that? 
who taught me that money doesn't grow on trees? And so now the beauty of social media, the internet, I have here on my home screen, I have a picture of money falling from the sky. And I also have a picture or I've done up some little things where I'll put an affirmation on them. And it's a picture of a tree with dollar bills hanging as the leaves. Mm-hmm. So we can we can play with our minds more now than we probably ever used to be able to. So, you know, if you can identify you know, at what I call sort of like stuck point, you know, it's like, what's coming up for you? You know, what's coming up for you about spending your money or what's coming up for you about the practice or the rules that we suddenly come out with that we have no idea where they came from. And so some of it is the first step is just awareness and then taking a look at some of those rules. Like if I continue to say money doesn't grow on trees you know, I am going to be stuck in the same place. Right. Whereas if I put those pictures in front of me, if I laugh and kind of envision money falling from the sky, you know, the more things I can do to pattern interrupt that or change that, now I have a very different energy and response based on my kids coming to me for money. There's probably going to be something in your own life that you won't spend it on this but if this opportunity shows up for like your hobby, all of a sudden you can easily justify $200. You would never spend $200 on this social media Facebook advertising. Oh, what a waste. But $200 for a new golf outfit, boom, Yep. you're buying it. You're like, I needed a new outfit. It's supposed to help you with your swing. You're like, what are you talking about? Yep. You, know? It's, you know, it's just based on what we value. We are all so different. And so that doesn't mean never spend it on that example. It just means identify it. Yeah. Sort of as you as you get the ahas, you sort of go, wow, doesn't mean I'm not going to spend on that new golf club, golf clothing, the, the things I'm passionate about, just not at the expense of investing or spending some on something related to growing the business. So, yeah, you know, you're right. Like like our patterns, it, it's really just awareness. If if people don't take anything else away from this podcast other than just be aware. If you're not aware, ask your spouse because they'll probably could tell you. <laughs> they <laughs> could tell you absolutely. Just like that example I said about, you know, the chiropractor and his wife coming into the seminar. She started to laugh as I asked him for his credit uh-huh. card. And, of course, he was like, Janice, I'm not giving you my credit card. And she said, oh, yes, you are. <laughs> And so she literally made him take his credit card. And of course, I put it in the hotel, like in, in the safe, you know, but but I'm laughing because you're exactly right. His significant other knew, oh, yeah. knew his habits, knew his patterns. And so she was really game to play. <laughs> and the great news is we could laugh about that. But I'm telling you, that really transformed things for him. And, and how do you begin to think about, you know, how do I implement maybe even some of the things I have at home? You know, or sometimes another tool people could use just instead of purchasing something in 10 minutes, like walk away, walk away and say, I'll be back in half an hour. And I know everything says, well, here's the deal if you purchase now. Well, yeah, half an hour is still kind of now, you know, but buy yourself a breath, you know, and how will I feel about this in 24 hours? How will I feel about this in a week? Mm -hmm. You know, 
is this something that I'm going to, and go back to those three things, is it something I'm going to be disciplined to put a system in place? Am I going to take congruent actions? You know, am I going to do the things that it takes, not only for the system, but to grow myself? So you can see kind of how I'm sort of talking about a spiral, like be aware, and then put some of those steps in place that I talked about. And that can really begin to shift things for people. You know, I went to, you know, you, there's always those, you know, scarcity and urgency at seminars to get you to buy something and like good prices. And there's been a couple of times where, you know, I've thought about buying something, but then I've stopped myself. I was like, all right, think about it, Justin. And I was like, you know what? I go talk to him. And I goes, this is the only time we're going to do it. You know, if you don't buy it now, we're not going to give it to you. Like, I'm like, you know what? That's cool. If I call back in a week and the price doubled and they really aren't going to honor the price that they, they had at the seminar. I'm okay with missing out on it. And if that's, yeah, then that, that just tells me, okay, definitely then don't buy it because you're not willing to pay more for that. And that must mean you probably weren't going to be implementing it like you needed to anyway. And it's really saved me money that yeah. way. So yeah, that's exactly what we've been talking about. You know, you've had a system to be able to get a little bit of distance to say, is this really truly something that I value? Is this something I'm going to utilize? Is it something I'm going to implement? So that's a really great example. Well, let's switch gears a little bit. We want to talk about you got a business, so you're having a market. Obviously, you're podcasting with people. That's a probably a good marketing tool for you. But are there any other ways exactly. that you can market? And I'm saying that for your business because there are going to be people listening that are looking to do some kind of coaching, consulting, and they might be able to take whatever you say and switch it up for a brick and mortar whatever kind of practice they have. So uh, what, what kind of ways are you actually marketing yourself that's been successful? The first key for me is I recognized with influence of some really great people in the last couple of years that honestly, I did not brand myself. Now, when I was in practice, I branded it or I've branded based on different roles, but I had never branded myself. And so for practitioners listen, listening, you know, it's, yes, you have a business, but brand you, brand yourself. And your business is a piece of that. But do not forget, I forgot to brand me. So that that's a really great- You're always going to be Dr. Hughes. Yeah. So that's a really great kind of wake up aha, even, you know, as I did other projects, as I was out in the biotech world- you know, my first focus when people said, who are you and what you do is I'm a chiropractor. You know, I'm Dr. Janice Hughes. So it was then I never I never used all the tools. So anybody listening now, you have more tools than so many of us could have dreamed of in the early stage of practice. So use it. But I also I, I go and I give some of my time to still go back and do some business courses for students at one of the, the chiropractic universities. And I tease them about pull up your Facebook profile. And even before you are in practice, like you're branding yourself, you're putting a footprint out that you may or may not ever be able to get rid mm -hmm. of. And mm -hmm. so the earlier people can brand, you know, the better. Now for practitioners listening, if I was going to um, have staff interviews, if I was going to look for an associate, I would not only ask for their CV for a professional or their resume, I would ask them to do an introduction video to send to me. Mm. Everybody's got an iPhone. Everybody's got Skype. Everybody's got Zoom that you can log into and, and you know, sort of package a little video. And 
that's how I would ask now, even for people to apply for a position in my practice or my business. Okay. So using the tools. So you asked, you know, how, how do I focus on marketing? And particularly as say, I've taken this big hiatus where my mistake was I didn't stay connected enough because I was so involved and engrossed in the project I was working on. And it wasn't like I was nowhere, but I, I wasn't at seminars or I wasn't on social media nearly as much. And so it's the consistency. It would be for me the discipline, like how do you begin to build the discipline of using that? So like I say, there's, there's amazing tools there. And the key to market yourself is open your mouth. It doesn't cost anything. Chiropractors, each of you are basically the best kept secret in town. So often you're not generating a ton of internal referrals, not knowing what to say when somebody does talk about a friend that may benefit from your care, you know, not necessarily going out. And I'm not saying you even need to do talks all the time. A lot of times it's just even you can be in line at the grocery store. And I had to learn this. I had to learn how to do this. But being in line and seeing someone, you know, holding a child that's crying that they're buying a, a drug for, you know, I'm not saying that I'm going to stand there and lecture them, but I'd say that you're in a really tough spot. I'm a chiropractor, have my own kids. I would be happy anytime to share with you how we handled it with my own kids or how in my practice we really work with kids that are really sick like yours. You know, here's my card if you ever need anything. So notice that that's free. Mm. It's just opening up our our mouths. It, it's it's really opening up our mind, and and people will feel petrified. You know, let's face it, we're we're afraid to talk. Yeah. You know about who we are. We're so fearful about the rejection. And one at one stage of my career, I did a project with forty three senior chiropractic interns. And one of the exercises I gave them was that they had to go out and talk to a hundred people about chiropractic and who they were and whether they would come into the clinic. And they had to prove it to me. They had to video, they had to get, you know, people to just sign. And oh man. The reason <laughs> the reason that I was giving them that exercise is because what happens is we're all gonna get rejected. It's just how quickly can I fail forward? How quickly can I hear those objections? Because once you get really clear, there's probably only seven or eight typical objections to being under chiropractic care. And if you can get really clear on those, and then you feel prepared to communicate about those, or just a different way, you know, and, and that's my pattern interrupt, you know, when when patients would have sick kids at home, you know, instead of lecturing them about getting them under care, I would just say to them, are you interested in hearing how we handle that at my house? Two chiropractors, husband and wife, kids raised chiropractically. And then I learned that instead of just telling them, you need your son or daughter in here and here's what we're going to do. Just think about how intriguing that is. Do you do you know any parent that doesn't go, wow, I'd love to hear it. Like really quickly, patients were saying, yeah, you're here all the time. And I can't imagine that your kids are never sick. Like how the heck do you do this? Mm -hmm. 
And now you notice that's a very different conversation. So see, that's all marketing. Yeah. That's just marketing with heart. And we love stories as people. Yeah, it's, it's marketing with heart and intentions and being very real with people. And so marketing, there's tools, there's strategies, but really it's also, look at me, I keep coming back to this word mindset. Mm-hmm. It's really about your mindset. Yeah. Switch gears a little bit this time too. You may not have an answer for this one, but there's so many people that have a coach or have are putting themselves out there as a coach that some people aren't really worth much. They have a nice sales tactic, but then they don't deliver. Is there any way to determine if a company or a person is more of a fly by night than the real deal? Well, first of all, I think that there are a lot of really amazing companies, coaches. I think that what you're describing is that some people are really expert at one piece versus necessarily like say that whole coaching package. And it's not a right or wrong, but it's really about for people being able to recognize that a coach is someone to help you grow. And are you looking to grow a certain system, like maybe just marketing? Are you looking to grow the whole business, which is a very different conversation. Or just your Um, money mindset. Just your money mindset. Like, like, so some of it is then once you even start to determine what you're interested in or looking for, it's almost like just some of it is you have to trust your own intuition, like interview people. I think you nailed it right there though. Like, you got to know what you're looking for so that when you're interviewing people, you're like, no, I don't need this help here. Like if this yeah. is what you're offering, I don't really want that. You probably do a great job, but I've got that covered. I need this. Yeah. I can't and get past I'll, this. Exactly. I'll use the example that um, it's, it's almost seven years ago. I had a terrible skiing accident and tore my ACL. And as I was addressing, you know, based on my age, based on some things in rehab, what did I want to do? I interviewed surgeons. Now, so many people will say, well, I'm going to go to the hospital or I'm going to go to, who, you know, this surgeon or this is the only person. Well, I said, wait a minute, I'm willing to travel. I only live a few hours from Vail, Colorado. Who, who does who does the ski team? Who does the Olympic skiers? Mm-hmm. You know, I'd like to interview them. Who in town is really expert in particularly people that were my age, it's different to do an ACL on these college athletes who are back on the field in no time and are that fit, but at my stage of life and, and female and bone density. And so I created my short list and then I began my interviews. And one surgeon said, nobody's ever interviewed me and I'm not doing an interview. And I just said, well, thank you. Thank you. You know, I, you're not going to be my surgeon. Yeah. So, you know, how is it any different? Like sometimes people will put certain personalities will put so much emphasis into purchasing a new car and then they haven't really thought, how do I get clear about what I want even with a coach or what would my dreams be? And then talk to a coach, talk to them and how could you potentially help me get there? So that's what I mean like that. And and you don't even have to have it all figured out. I'm not saying you're going to go, well, I want a coach and they're going to do these three things, but Based on the stage of your practice, people that you know really well and where their successes have come from, you know, if there's four or five potential 
coaches or companies and and don't get caught up the way of the world now is you don't always have to have a coach that has a big huge seminar yeah you know yeah. so so knowing all of that then it's really it, it's just really intuition and who do you feel can be really authentic with you and really you know help you grow or you know i've had coaches i've worked with certain coaches that i've gone in for really specific things for 3 or 4 months and i've worked with other coaches for 5 and 6 and 7 years at a time so you know part of it too a great question to ask a, a coach is who's their coach yeah are they being coached you know so so those are those are just a few perspectives but we're really fortunate if anything there's so many good people and coaches out there it just doesn't mean that they're necessarily the right people for you i was i saw following a facebook post the other day hey guys who uh who should i use to run my social media campaign cool oh, the answers this guy's the best she's the best this company's the best and i was like good gracious like none of these names mean anything to me i'm looking at who posted it and like okay i don't really know the people in who are even posting about these people. So I was like, I was like, there's a dozen people right here that are probably super qualified to handle it. You just actually have to spend the time to figure it out, like which one is best yeah. for you. And that could be daunting. And somebody's going to say to themselves, I'm not doing all that. That's fine. Yeah. You have staff. That's fine. Exactly. You have somebody else. Just go with that or like ask it in a couple of different groups and see if any names keep popping up. Different people answering yeah. it and the same name pops up a couple of times. That might be the people that you talk to and they only have to interview three people instead of a dozen. It's a big yeah, difference. Exactly. Exactly. And actually, you it's so funny. You, you mentioned something and I skipped over this question, but now I'm going to ask it. And you don't have to take uh, take as much time as you want. But um, who are your influential guides in shaping your philosophy, your marketing or your copywriting? You mentioned DeMartino at one point was back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. There's been some really key people in my chiropractic life and career and and then also from outside. And and a couple of those key influencers in my chiropractic growth were definitely John DeMartini and then Dr. Guy Reekman. Uh. And you know, really impactful. I, I can, you know, sort of take a look at who I am. And, and it's really based on like working with and being around great people like that. You know, then from a coaching perspective, um, I did train as a personal and professional coach. And I was really fortunate, um, kind of the father of the coaching industry, his name was Thomas Leonard. And I joined his company, um, he's he's no longer alive. He died, unfortunately, very young. That was really instrumental for some tools. Dr. Larry Markson was really influential for me related to kind of the how to coach chiropractors, how to coach health practitioners and, you know, really taught me some magical gems and all of that and so, some additional levels of personality profile work, you know, so that I can understand really who I'm connecting with and how to how to speak their language, not just my language. Yeah. And Larry really helped me with that. And then from outside the profession, I've hired a lot of different specialists, like a particularly, you know, marketing specialist at one stage as I wanted to do something very different years ago in the practice. Um, currently, I've hired coaches in the social media world. And have really been working with some individuals that have unbelievable online mm -hmm. businesses and companies. Because part of it is 
no different than what you describe. I, we in chiropractic have some people that are helping chiropractors unbelievably to market their practices, you know, but I'm no longer in practice. And as a coach, mentor, looking to package a few of the things, you know, I, I wanted to, again, look outside and there's really great examples. You know, there's Marie Forleo and, um, she, I feel, you know, really has some great strategies. She's not just, you know, again, throwing more and more and more products at people. She's really built a a network and a following and, you know, so have been really fortunate to watch and learn there. And the same thing I somebody else mentioned her. Yeah. You know, she does something called the B school. I've never done it, but I have a number of friends who've done B school where she's really talking about building your business. Um, So, so those are, you know, for a lot of people, even listening, um, I always say that coaches can be people, they can be books, they can be podcasts, you know, there's some of my, my favorite things, again, are even just the TED Talks, you know, looking or watching, and again, just trusting your intuition, I'm not going to say watch every one of them, you know, but just pick and choose or look at some of the caliber with technology of people that we can, you know, see and learn from. And, you know, again, you'll you'll love or hate some of these personalities. You know, Gary Vee is a perfect example where I read his original book a number of years ago and love him or hate him. He is unbelievable at building his network, building his tribe. Yeah. And if we can look and watch those kinds of people, see, chiropractors, you're looking to build your tribe. You're looking to build the people that you naturally attract, that you love to work with, that you're really great at working with. And, you know, so I think we've got a lot to learn from some of those coaches, personalities, people out there. And, you know, some of them are not just hugely expensive. And so, like I said, it's, it's important for people to just look, but those are some significant and key people I've worked with that, you know, again, have been actual coaches for me. And then on top of that, I've had mentors, you know, and mentors are very different than a coach. And, you know, I've had mentors and role models. So, you know, again, it's, it's a pretty big spectrum for me because I, I realized all along that it, it was about growing me and I needed people far more successful than I was at different things to grow me to that level. You know, when I yeah. was going to start for the biotech being a money raiser, I had no idea what I was doing. I'm a great speaker. I can communicate I needed to learn how and what all the things were that went into setting up a system to work with current investors and to communicate with potential investors and documents. And I just went to the best. I I talked to a couple of high-end venture capitalists and they just opened up their arms and said, come on in, here's what and how we do it. Here's documents. Come on. And, you know, same with uh, a person in Denver that I contacted um, that does a lot of mergers, acquisitions and sales. Um, I also knew that he had a small venture capital group and he would have lunch with me for a whole year. We met once a month and he just kept grooming me through the steps. Yeah, I hope people understand it here. It's ideas. I hope people are getting ideas of like, okay, if you're looking for mentors, if you're looking for coaches, 
there's places to find them that you may not realize. Like if you're if you're a Christian and you're like struggling, like you want to be a better father and a better husband, but you don't really know where you do it. Like at a church, you could find a person who you look up to and say, hey, obviously this person's not going to be like, well, you're going to have to pay me 500 bucks a month and I'll teach you how to be a good man. It's like, no, this person will probably say, hey, let's just go have coffee or something at one, in the morning once a month, once every other week or something like that for a few months. Absolutely. And that's a mentor. And you can do that. And I, I put it to Christianity or whatever, because there's so many other ways. There's so many avenues, like whether it's venture capitalists, religious you know, all these different other areas in your life that you might want help with. And it's kind of like I said, with marketing, when you asked me about marketing, it's open your mouth, you know, and with coaches, mentors, teachers, you know, ask. And, and just because someone says no, there are going to be a lot of yeses. You know, you've got to be willing to get the no's to get the yeses, but you will find that a lot of high caliber coaches, business people, mentors would be absolutely happy to connect with you. And if you didn't realize, some people who are, I want to 50-ish plus 50, they tend to be in a more of a give back mindset. Yes. They're more likely to say, hey, I'm 55. I'm kind of running down my career here versus a 20-something, a 30-year-old who's like, I'm not giving you my secret sauce. Yeah. You won't pay me for that secret sauce. But uh, but an older person might be more willing to mentor you and say, hey, why don't you just come to my clinic? Watch me for a an afternoon every now and then, and I'm willing to impart my wisdom on you. Absolutely. Let's get a little personal. This is a little fun. We'll, we'll use this to kind of wrap up the interview. We all have families and kids and all this stuff, typically. How do you find yourself getting a work-life balance? What's a tip? You know, put your time and money where you value. And so many people, you know, don't even set up their office hours to honor and support their family. You know, I knew years ago, some original mentors talked about, you know, having your clinic open on Saturdays. And right away, I made my decision. I already had my oldest son while I was interning. And I'm like, you know, if if I open it, then as I want to change and not be in on Saturdays, it's really difficult to take that away. So it's setting yeah. it's setting some parameters or rules for yourself. You know, do your, your hours even honor your downtime, your family time. And I'm all about like, like work hard. Like, like I, you know, I'm a driver personality, like in practice and business, I wanted a fast start. I was willing to do whatever that took. And, you know, it's, it literally, I did not want it to be at the expense of my family, but before you know it, it starts to be a little bit. And so I had to set down some really important parameters or standards, you know, some standard rules of operating. And, you know, so it's not that I'm not willing to travel, I just determine when and how much. And one of the reasons that I actually left the management company that I'd been involved with in the profession and doing all the things that I'd been doing is that, you know, I'm really fortunate to have an amazing husband at home and and our values and his support for everything I'd been doing. But my two of my boys were coming to the age of a lot of sports, a lot of things that I no longer wanted to be away all the time on a weekend at a seminar speaking because I wanted to be at football games. I wanted to be at yeah. events. And um, for example, one year after I left the chiropractic coaching world, I set up all my time and travel around um, football games. 
And there's even an example that one time just a few years ago when my youngest was still in high school and he's a big athlete, football player, rugby player, baseball player. And during football season, um, I laid out all my travel and I needed for our project, I really needed to be in the UK. I determined, though, that that was a Thursday night football game. So I flew out on the Saturday night so I could get there, turn around on the Sunday to be fully functioning for business Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and even an evening function on the Wednesday. Got up at the crack of dawn over there, hopped on the plane, flew home, got picked up at the airport and driven to that game. And huge, we, we all get these examples in our lives by prioritizing. Was I exhausted? Absolutely. Was it going to take me a bit to get over jet lag? Absolutely. But it's interesting, that game, just as an example in my life, anytime we question that, just look for where you've had successes, because that game went into triple overtime against the biggest rivalry that, you know, our, our high school has. And um, it's the rivalry for baseball, that for all these sports. And my son scored the winning touchdown in the third overtime. And I got to be there. Yeah. And it's because I set those rules up in my life. Or please believe me, when, when I talk about these things, the, the first thing people need to know about me is that I'm just going to talk about the mistakes I made. You know, because there have been times where I let certain things move me away from some of my rules. And every time that came back to bite me in the butt. Uh. So every time I would clean up some of my standards or rules. And, you know, even there's one client that still laughs about I we really needed to be on the phone to have an important conversation about his business. But I told him that I was going to be at my son's tournament in an entirely different state for baseball, but that absolutely I'd take the call. So he knew that I'd basically be at a game, step out, but he'd be able to hear the game in the background. And the fun part is, is as I set that up with people, I had no one complain. I signed one of our the first really, really, really big investment that I'd had to grow to ask for a million dollars. I finalized that deal in a chalet on a ski day. So uh -huh. you'll find that, you know, again, as you as you build some of those rules. So start early, start simple, you know, but, but prioritize like, so what does, first of all, define balance, you know, for me, I have a definition of balance that says that I'm a hundred percent present wherever I am and whomever I'm with in that moment. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't say my life looks normal. Like even when I traveled all the time, my weeks didn't look like most of yours in practice. But I still found if I was going to be away, then a way for me to have some balance was to have personal dates with my kids. And the same thing, it didn't always look normal like a weekend. Sometimes it was a Wednesday night. Or I remember, you know, my kids still laugh about it when they were little. Every time there would be a new major movie come out that was something that we'd all really wanted to see, like a Harry Potter movie, they open on a Friday and I would haul them out of school early on that Friday to take them so that we could go to the movie. Ah. 
So there's just little fun ways. Like don't think it's always got to look like someone else's definition of balance either, you know, define it, figure out the things that matter to you. And now that being said, there was little things like, I remember when those early years with kids are tough because, you know, they had, when we spent a year in Iowa and we moved and my one son's class had donuts for dads and muffins for moms. Okay. And they did that every month. And number one, I've never in my life seen my husband eat a donut. Okay. And I don't really need a muffin that badly that I need to necessarily go to a school function. Now, that being said, those are usually gathering times. Those are times where kids want to have their parents. And, you know, I went to the first one and kicked myself because I left the office and drove over there and did that and then raced back to the office. And I thought, this is nuts. Like, not a lot happens at those. And from that point on, I just, I said to my son, okay, I know that the next one's going to come up in a few weeks. We could either do that where I take the time and I come to that, or you can choose whatever day that happens. If you'd rather, we could have a date that same night and we could do whatever you'd love. I think they picked option B. Well, of course, well, absolutely. And so for him at that stage, he was in the second grade at that point. His choice was we would go to the bookstore. So again, like, like it was a win-win. Like we got to go to the bookstore and look at books. And, you know, he knew that every time he was going to get to choose one book he got to bring home. But, but so he was part of those decisions. But that created real balance because I didn't just do what everybody said you have to. And please don't think when I say this that I've never been to things at my kids' schools or interviews and those kinds of things. But some of those things are really ridiculous. Yeah. And so I decided that it was more important to me to build the systems or the things that worked. So I just encourage anybody to find balance and the things that are important and then set up your rules around that. Have you done anything with your spouse to make sure that the love stays alive and feel connected on a regular basis? Um, great dates. And and again, prioritizing that even at the busiest stages of our careers. You know, we have done some personal growth seminars together. Mm. We've done mm. things apart, but we have done things together. Great vacations. You know, we we figured out... Um, we both come from very different backgrounds or different sports or different activities. And so we found over some early years, a couple things that we both loved and we learned together. We learned to scuba dive together and we learned to sail together mm-hmm. and consistently then planned out those kinds of trips and vacations. And the same thing, it took a lot. I have three sons. So it took juggling to, figure out which set of grandparents could maybe come into the house or look after kids that we consistently put time. If, if that's the most important relationship in my life, it was important to me to put time into it. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Uh, last question. You ready? It's fun. I Absolutely. Think, I think you've given enough resources as coaches and mentors and some books you've already dropped on us. If you feel like you want to uh, add any more like specific books that people need, go for it. But the question will be, we all love our little phone app. Is there any app besides, say, social media that you actually would say saves you time or you just really thought it was an interesting app and you'd like to use it? Um, no. Um, but what I, what I love 
what I love, I don't, I don't, none of them have changed my life. Okay. Uh, the tool on the iPhone though, that has changed my life is the notes. Yeah. So literally whatever. So, so all of you put whatever app in place, but for me with an iPhone, it's just in the little notes and I just set up notes for things or, or lists or when I'm out and that idea strikes, I put it in a note mm -hmm. and that way I'm not losing it. Yeah. But honestly, so many of the others, don't get me wrong. I'm sure you've heard great apps or great things. You're not going to learn about a new app from me <laughs> because I love them. I try them and I have not found yet one that's changed my life. Have you tried like Evernote or OneNote or anything like that? I have. And, and you're still I back find to regular it, notes. And I'm still back to huh. regular notes okay. because I find I capture a web page or uh, an image. Well, I'm just better having a note about investigating something like, like again, like, so for me, it's really, really simple. Like, is it something that just takes more time? Most people is they open up apps or it becomes a bit of a black hole and yeah. I'm just a user, you know, and the same thing I ask great people in my life. Like I really love Canva, you know, to design, you know, posts or things, but the same thing, like they really haven't changed my life. Yeah. Whereas capturing thoughts and ideas in a simple note and plug in whatever app version of that you want to use, but that's changed my life because then I'm not losing great ideas. That is huge. Like I'm walking, listening to podcasts in the streets and for, you know, for exercise. And uh, if something comes to my head, I'm like, if I don't write this down, I've learned it enough times. If I don't write that down right now, I'm going to forget about it in 10 minutes. And even if it was a great Absolutely. idea, now some people say, well, if it was that a great of an idea, you would remember it for later. And it's like, well, no, it's an idea that needs to be fletched out a little bit. Then it could become yeah. something that I remember. But, you know, anyway. Well, how can people get in touch with you, learn more about what you're doing and sign up for some of these programs that you have? Well, you know, I'm sure kind of knowing you that you're going to have a few things posted, you know, below yeah, basically we'll show notes page for sure. Yeah. You know, so, so that's probably the best, um, you know, the, the Facebook, my new Facebook page is money mindset and you can search it by just at Dr. Janice Hughes coach, you know, so we'll make sure that I help Justin include a link to that. Um, I do have a number of landing pages related to the money mindset. Um, maybe what we could put up is the landing page for the one, the money mindset for chiropractors. Okay. You know, that probably would be a really good tool. Um, I'll make sure that people have my email. I mean, just, just reach out, just send me through Facebook messenger, send me a message, send me, you know, a question, or if you want input on something, you know, that's the part for me that, you know, the reason that I've been looking for these other tools and, and, you know, ways of doing things is because then I can just actually be a mentor to some people. So for some of the women listening, um, I'm in a number of the women's um, private Facebook groups, um, women's speakers club, or, you know, so, so just reach out, just reach out through messenger, or I'll make sure Justin that we include an email. And then that's probably the easiest for people. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for your time. You've been very generous. And I think if people will take what you said and critically think about it, they can definitely implement so much and change their life for uh, yeah. 2018. Yeah. Just apply. Just apply one thing and, and a lot begins to shift quickly. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. 
want to make you aware of a couple of things. Adoptersperspective.net. We got a few things to talk about. We've got some free handouts for nerve pain, numbness in the arms and legs, and also a 12 exercises. If you experience some back pain and want your core stronger, you experience some neck and shoulder tightness and pain. These are free to download. Okay. It's under resources. Also under the resources tab is my new book, Needless Acupuncture, Self-Treatment Guide for 40 Common Conditions. Stop the hurting with no needles or meds, your roadmap to self-treat your condition painlessly. We're talking things like anxiety, insomnia, neck pain, back pain, uh, possibly some knee issues, stomach issues, tired, arm and leg pain, even a little bit of sinuses, toothache, all those types of things. This book really is for those, they're busy, they don't have time to drive to an office, spend an hour, and go back to work. All right. So it allow, this book allows you to do it from the from your own house. It's also for the person that maybe doesn't have an acupuncturist within like a 90-minute drive just to go see one. So that's pretty inconvenient. It's also for the person who is afraid of needles. So there's alternatives to that method that we show you in the book. And lastly, for the person who's like, I really can't afford as much care as I need. So this is a way. Invest in a book. And now you're able to do it at your house with pictures with words, and even videos. Things that I've learned from working in China, Western references, Eastern references, and practical experience. So check it out. I think you're going to like it. The first book, Today's Choices, Tomorrow's Health, again, is version 2.0. We got everything from what is chiropractic, what is pain, some exercises, some stretches, lots of lessons learned from my time in China, like portion control, is it okay to feel hunger, secret recipe, heck, and I love talking about it. I even got a whole section on finances, like budgeting, creating a budget, how to scale back if you overspend, which is a huge problem for most people. So I'll cover that. It's got some really good reviews. So hopefully you will take a look at that. You can get it as a PDF for free or you can pay for it in different areas. Lastly, of course, we've got some chiropractic tongue in cheek t-shirts about being a mixer. You do rehab, you do adjustments. You think the adjustment's really a powerful thing, but you also believe that you need to do muscle work and those types of things. We got some pretty cool shirts, mixers, and under the resources tab as well. Well, as always, wherever you listen to the show, if you rank it five stars, that would be awesome. And of course, on the top right of the website, there's all the social media icons. Pick your flavor, follow me, interact, and I interact back. If you got any suggestions, email me. Have a good week. We just went hashtag behind the curtain, and this episode has come to an end. I hope you got the right dose for your optimal life. Please spread the word about this podcast by telling two friends, sharing on social media, and visit the show notes on a doctorsperspective.net to see all the references from today's guest. A sincere thank you in advance. You've been listening to Dr. Justin Trosclair, giving you a doctor's perspective.